Empower Radio presents the Dr. Julie Show, all things connected. Break through the illusion of separation, explore the infinite field of possibility, and make connections that inspire. Now, here's your host, Dr. Julie Crawl. Hello and welcome everyone. Welcome to the Dr. Julie Show, all things connected. Each week we gather right here to make connections that break through the illusion of separation. I hope something you hear in our conversation today opens you to that infinite field of possibility. So listen to this. The Parliament of World's Religions is the oldest, largest, and the most inclusive gathering of people of all faiths and traditions. This year's focus, which was just a few weeks ago in Salt Lake City, was to make connections that reclaim the heart of humanity. I love that. I love that. And the theme encouraged working together for a world of compassion, peace, justice, and sustainability. They had many luminous speakers and religious leaders like the Dalai Lama. And one video from the parliament, you might have seen it the last couple of weeks, with Marianne Williamson speaking on women and religion, has gone viral with over 2 million views. So why all the buzz? Our guest today was there, and she is an expert on the topic herself. So I invite you to take a few deep breaths, bring your awareness into this moment, open your mind, connect with your heart, and settle into your essential self as I introduce our guest. Karen Tate is an independent scholar, speaker, radio talk show host, published author of many books, and social justice activist. For almost three decades, her work has been fueled by her intense interest and passion for travel, comparative religions, ancient cultures, and the resurging interest in the rise of feminine consciousness. She spoke at this year's parliament with the topic, Reawakening Our Earliest Sacred Stories, How the Patriarchal Mythology of the Feminine Face of God Has All Along Given Us a Template for a More Sustainable Future. I am intrigued by that topic and can't wait to explore more. So welcome, Karen. Well, thank you, Julie. I appreciate the opportunity to chat with your uh, listeners. Well, thank you. Our listeners appreciate the opportunity to have you here, and so do I. So thank you. And I, we have a traditional first question here on our show because we really like to ground our conversation into a bigger perspective and into this meme. So I'm going to start with this, Karen. What does all things connected mean to you? Well, you know, when I heard your intro, I thought, gee, you know, I am really in the right place today, (laughs) Uh, you know, talking to the right host on the right show, because uh, I think uh, all things interconnected are the sacred feminine. I think that's one of the teachings of the sacred feminine, you know, that it's about the we and the us, not the I and the me, that we all are interconnected and need to uh, be practicing uh, nurturing, caring, sharing, reciprocity, uh, balance, harmony, equality. And, um, you know, I mean, it, it, maybe that sounds idealistic, but I believe those are the values of the sacred feminine that have been swept beneath the rug. And when we do remember that we're interconnected, and I think more and more people are coming to that, I think that's when we're going to have this paradigm shift, this evolution 
that uh, so many of us have been teaching about, calling for, um, so that we, we, you know, we raise our consciousness and uh, we become, you know, the best human beings that we can be. Mm. Thank you. You know, that response really was powerful and I'm going to, I'm going to tell you why, you know, most of, most often on the show, we, we get scientists, we get spiritual people, we get a lot of different perspectives on what all things connected means to me. And you're bringing a voice that we haven't heard much here on the Dr. Julie show. So I really appreciate that as as you really grounding that into this feminine consciousness and the sacred feminine. So thanks for that. That was, that was really beautiful. Oh, thank you, Julie. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to I want to dig into, you have so many books, you have this incredible radio show that's been going for nine years, you, you have a lot, but just a few weeks ago, you were at that parliament, and I am so intrigued. Did you hear that video live? Did you hear that speech live with Marion Williamson? You know, actually, um, you know, I heard it in bits and pieces afterwards. Um, I, I was not there yet. And, uh, so unfortunately, uh, you know, I did, I, I, I wish I could say I did hear it, but I know her work and, uh, I know about, you know, the, you know, women in religion. I can very well imagine what she said <laughs> in its entirety. Mm. You know, it was, it was really a, a goose bump experience to watch that video and what what really came from Marianne and and I I know you know all about this so I really want to bring this in is she really had that call to rise up be that fierce feminine Mm -hmm. and you know and a lot of times we see feminine as the soft kind of um you know, more passive energy, and and she's calling out that fierce mama that's here to protect. So, well, you know, uh, it's it's interesting that you said that because, um, you know, patriarchy, I think, has, you know, rule of the father, rule of the male. Uh, You know, that's what we've been living under for thousands of years. And, you know, patriarchy is fine with giving women role models like, you know, the, the beautiful, wonderful Mary, mother of Jesus. But, you know, when you think about Mary, um, you know, she's rather benign, she's rather passive, and, you know, that's sort of the role model that uh, patriarchy would hope all women would uh, believe they must emulate. And for, for a long, long time, you know, women uh, tried unsuccessfully. But, you know, that's not the sort of archetype or role model that is going to uh, change the world, I don't think. Uh, I think we need that fierce um, Kali, that fierce Sekhmet, that Morrigan, uh, you know, Durga, uh, because the world is so out of balance. Um, we have to find our, uh, our fierce compassion and demand that uh, things be set right uh, because there's too much inequality, there's too much suffering. And, um, you know, we have to get back to compassion and empathy. And, you know, I've heard it described as compassion with a sword, you know, if necessary. And, um, you know, I I can imagine that's the tone she struck because so many women feel that way, that, uh, you know, they're being called to social justice activism. And, uh, you know, it means being on the front lines. It, It means... Um, you know, demanding things. It means being empowered and not taking a back seat 
um, you know, while the ship is, you know, you know, is, is like the Titanic, you know, uh, going under. Mm. So, Karen, from your experience and your perspective, you, I mean, you've been studying this forever. You've been speaking to leaders. So when we talk about this out of balance, and, and I know right now we're talking about women and religion, but we're also talking about women's spirituality, a feminine spirituality, the sacred feminine, and goddess theology. You know, we're really talking about a lot. So, you know, some people, there's this this continuum, and, and we're talking about out of balance. There's this, the way patriarchal's been, patriarchy. But here we have, on one side, people who are really aligned with wanting to evolve traditional patriarchal religion to be honoring of women to be inclusive Mm -hmm. of women and you know so this is on one side and then on the other side we have these radical activists that are moving out into and i you know and maybe i'm stereotyping and you could please correct me but this really activism of moving us out into a brand new feminine spirituality and and what have you how do we harmonize this how do we bring this into balance so it is more maybe palatable for people who are searching and looking for answers maybe it's more constructive for those that want to evolve and build something new and so how do we balance that well you know i look at that as a be- you know as a uh the beauty of riches a beauty of diversity a beauty of choice uh because it, it can be both You know, for someone who has been in, um, you know, I'm a former Catholic, you know, for someone who has been or is still uh, a Christian, um, you know, women very much see uh, Mary, Mary Magdalene, Guadalupe, you know, as, uh, you know, the the sacred feminine. And, uh, you know, they are working tirelessly within institutionalized uh, religion to have the mother restored alongside the father uh, in liturgy. In some places, um, you know, uh, there they're may be replacing the father with the mother. It depends on, you know, the needs and wants of, uh, you know, of their congregation. Um, you know, within Judaism, uh, the Shekinah is on a rise. Uh, you know, even within, uh, you know, Islam, I interview women who talk about the feminine within Islam and uh, Fatima. Uh, the Mormons, you know, they have their great mother as well. Um, you know, the Shinto have Amaterasu. You know, it, uh, it, I believe that this is, um, in, in order for it to, um, uh, become more mainstream. I think it has to be seeded and birthed in a lot of different arenas from a lot of different platforms. So the people who want to stay within traditional religions can still, uh, you know, can still stay there. You know, no one is suggesting that they leave, uh, you know, their religion behind. Uh, the millennials, um, you know, who are uh, rejecting religion, you know, they see the sacred feminine not just as a deity, um, but they see it as uh, an archetype or they see it as values that they want to, uh, you know, emulate in society. Uh, I mean, even an atheist, you know, or an agnostic could uh, look at the values of the sacred feminine and realize that, um, you know, that's not a bad morality to, uh, you know, to bring to the world. And then there are those who are sort of working outside 
the traditional religions. And, you know, I think it's becoming more and more common because, um, you know, uh, there's, there's fewer and fewer people sitting in the pews. You know, we hear that all the time. You know, there aren't enough priests. Uh, I think it's because, you know, people are outgrowing uh, the need for this strict conformity, uh, for this control, and, um, you know, they want something different. And in some cases, organized religion has not, uh, it's not a living tradition. It hasn't evolved. Uh, I know for myself, you know, as a former Catholic, uh, I love this new pope. I mean, he's been saying a lot of great things, but he's still sort of behind uh, in, you know, he's, you know, he hasn't gotten up to speed with recognizing, you know, women are equal to men. Um, You know, it's crazy to think that, you know, you have to have a penis to be a priest. Um, So, um, you know, I I wouldn't, you know, I would tell people, don't be afraid. You know, I would say, uh, while change is kind of a scary thing, you know, just take it at your own pace and, uh, you know, go with, uh, go with what feels right to you. And, uh, you know, there, there are lots of different avenues that you can take with this. And, and Christians actually are on the forefront, in a way, of rewriting a new mythology. Because when I think of all the women and men who have uh, reinterpreted the role of Mary Magdalene, for instance, for instance, um, you know, I, I think they are, uh, you know, maybe at the forefront of creating a new mythology, you know, of reawakening, uh, a, you know, stories that will help us create a better future. Mm. Yeah, I know the, the, the big growing population of Magdalene um, people, I, I don't know what to call them, really there's there's this big pocket outside of religion and within religion, which is really mm-hmm. fascinating. So, you know, you were just at this parliament and, and talk about everything that you just said of really, how do we bring this into mainstream? Lots of different paths, lots of different platforms. So here you are amongst all of these religious leaders and a lot of other interested parties what did you learn? What for the first time we really got this big awareness of these feminine spirituality within the parliament itself and being invited to speak there was quite an ordeal. Tell us about it. Well, you know, uh it it was quite an honor and um you know, I think the parliament is a great example of um the shift that's happening in the world. Um, and, um, it, you know, on, on one level, it was, it, it, it seems, uh, amazing. And on the other level, it's, uh, you know, it's simple, you know, uh, at, at, at the heart core, you know, because I think everyone who was there, um, regardless of, uh, their religion, regardless of their, uh, ethnicity, um, we, we were all there because, we believed in these uh, values that were, um, you know, at the center of, uh, you know, the, the, the theme for this parliament about, you know, restoring the heart to humanity. And, you know, to restore the heart to humanity, you know, we have to 
you know, uh, you know, we we have to be done with war and hate speech and inequality and, um, you know, this rape of the environment and this callous treatment of others. You know, there's there's got to be an, there's got to be tolerance and plurality and diversity, and um, and I, I think what I came away with was a reassurance that um, you know at the heart of it. So many of our um, so many of our religions hold universal truths, and I think the and of course they can get distorted by uh, by people, you know, with their own agendas. But I left feeling very hopeful that uh, there that there are so many people out there on the same page. You know, I like to call them the cognitive minority. You know, and uh, and and I don't know. I, I believe in the next twenty years, this minority is going to be the majority, because you know we we all want the same things. You know, there. You know, the people who were there were not about one way thinking that it's my way or the highway. You know, uh, it was very much the idea that we might come from different faiths. We have a different face for our deity. Um, our, our our deity may be. Um, uh, you know, you know, uh, a, a male, or it may be a female, or it may be a combination of the sacred feminine and divine masculine. But we really do uh, all want the same things, and that's uh, that's what we're working for, and that's the goal. You know, rather than you know converting people to your religion. You know, it's it's about the values that are being espoused rather than the vehicle by which you, um, uh, you know, you, you teach these values or you live these values, if, if that makes any sense. Yeah, um, absolutely, because the values then are what connect us. And yeah, so, and, you know, there was yeah. a, uh, one of the speakers who really touched me at one of the plenary sessions uh, said something that still gives me goosebumps. He said... Um, uh, and I mean, and, and how universal is this? You know, it didn't matter what religion you came from. You know, as he spoke to all of us, he said, you know, when your time on this planet is done and you meet your maker, you know, whoever that is and whatever they look like, and they ask you, where are your wounds? And you say, well, I have no wounds. And your maker will say to you, well, then was there nothing in your lifetime worth fighting for? And I mean that just that just gives me goosebumps because the, the whole parliament was really about activism, about having to get out there and be the ones that make the difference to sh- to turn the tide uh, that we have um, you know happening on the planet right now. Um, and and I think everybody left motivated and hopeful. And uh, it, I think it was probably one of the most meaningful things I, I've ever done in my life to take part and have a place. I mean, not just attend, but actually moderate a panel and give a talk. I, uh, I'm still pinching myself, quite frankly. Mm, yeah. Oh, I was registered to go and was planning to go and, and had a family medical issue and, and had to cancel. And I just, I can just feel it as you speak. <laughs> I, oh, I would love to be there. I'm going to ask you kind of a strange question. You're talking about feeling full of hope and really belonging and, and really grounded there, which was 
quite incredible. I, I love that. It was so inclusive. What surprised you the most and what challenged you the most with the parliament? At the parliament? Yeah. Um, you know, what was most challenging was there was so much going on. Uh, I mean, there were, um, I, I, I think they said 10,000 attendees maybe, um, and there were so many, con- I mean, this, I mean this, if just from a practical perspective, um, uh, figuring out what you were going to do from hour to hour because there were so many incredible choices. Um, that was that was one of the challenges, you know, being the, the physical demands of uh, being there all day and all night and, you know, going from one thing to another uh, and feeling like, oh, but, you know, uh, you know, the things you didn't get to attend, it felt like you were chopping off limbs. If you know what I mean, mm, yeah. um, it, it was it was really difficult to make a decision where you were going to be because everybody had you know, such powerful, nourishing things to say. Um, so that was the challenge. And what was the other part of the question? What surprised you the most? What surprised me the most? Um, uh, you know, I, I think I expected it to be the way it was. Uh, maybe the surprise was the, the number of people who were there and uh, how well everyone got along. Uh, you know, I almost expected, uh, especially here we were in Salt Lake City, you know, it's primarily Mormons and, um, you know, not that I thought that there would be a boycott by Mormons, but I thought that, you know, I, I know when there are events out here in California, for instance, you know, the Hare Krishnas do a wonderful uh, parade along the beach, you know, and there's always people with bullhorns carrying picket signs or you know, uh, you know, carrying a 10-foot cross on their shoulder or something, you know, saying you're going to go to hell, you know, for not believing in a particular way. Um, there was none of that. You know, it was, it, it, it all felt so normal. And I thought to myself, you know, one day, maybe that's what we, that's what we can accomplish actually on the earth, that all of these people who come come at these values from different ways with different deities with different practices you know that that difference won't matter because we know that we're all working for the very same thing and there'll be an element of trust um, and there'll be an embracing of diversity rather than a fear of diversity which is what we we're fed every day you know on the news you know fear people who aren't like you uh, conform or or burn in hell. Um, you know, uh, we want to control who you love and who you marry, and um, you know you, uh, what you do in the bedroom, and uh, you can't enjoy sex, and you know all of these messages that we get. That's about um, uh, divisiveness or hate or control, rather than being life affirming and inclusive, and you know talking about our interconnection. Mm. Well, we're going to take a break in just a few minutes here, but we have about three minutes before break. After that, I'd love to to hear more about your topic and and dig deeper into that. But just to kind of wrap this Parliament conversation up, um, as you speak, and from what I watched, I watched some um, sessions on the Internet. I, I saw the opening ceremony. It seems as if there was something there that if we could look at the template or the model, was a beautiful microcosm 
of how we can get along in our diversity. Did you did you feel that? Like what what made that work? Why weren't they petitioning and and protesting and why were, people were getting along? How did it work? Well, you know, I, I I guess because the people who attended are of like mind. You know, um, I, I would I would assume that um, you know uh, you know the ones attending believe in these values. Um, why there was no one picketing outside, um, I don't know. Maybe we're making more progress than we think. I'd like to hope that's so. Yeah, I, I think it's really beautiful to really pause and take in your words about the values because you were sharing values and and that the shared values we can look beyond other beliefs other cultures other you know there's so many other things that appear to create an illusion of separation that might might be different but really what you're saying is when people are stepping up they they really don't have the same beliefs about a deity or a religion or faith, but they were sharing values. And I love that it was all around these social change of, of compassion, peace, justice, sustainability. I mean, how yeah, better can I, I mean, get? honestly, you could have taken religion almost out of the equation, you know. Um, it, you could have really almost taken religion out of the equation, and it, it really could have been about, you know, social change. Uh, because it didn't matter what religion you are. Um, you know, it was it was about how um, you know how we're going to be on the planet, how we're going to treat one another, and um, I mean, we all know you don't have to be religious to be moral, and I think this was about you know finding a new morality, and if you are a spiritual person, um, you know you can wrap that morality in religion if you want to, um, but that doesn't mean you have to. And it certainly doesn't mean you only can be one religion and be the real religion or the religion, you know, because there is no one way. Mm. Nice. Oh, Karen, this is delightful. I can't wait to dig in more after our break and and really understand your teaching of the reawakening of our earliest sacred stories. That's going to be exciting. We're talking with Karen Tate, and we will take a quick break. We'll be right back. Have you ever dreamed of being a karate master? Uh, Well, stop dreaming and start chomping with the Karate Glove. Hi, my name's Molly, inventor of the Karate Glove, and I have just one and a half words for you. The Karate Glove chops through anything. Just put it on and instantly chop through wood, concrete, brick walls, trees, small cars. It can even chomp through these eight guitars. Uh, It chops things. If I can invent a karate glove, just imagine what you can do. Visit inventnow.org to get started on your invention. Anything's possible. Keep thinking. Brought to you by the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office, the National Inventors Hall of Fame Foundation, and the Ad Council. It's Haya time! Hi, I'm Lisa Edelstein. 
Every day on set, I help my fictional doctors save the lives of imaginary patients in the TV series house. Every day in his village in Ethiopia, Barasa Ware helps save the lives of real children as a local health worker. Like many children in the developing world, the ones in Barasa's village are threatened by common illnesses that kill millions worldwide. But unlike villages without a local health worker, the children of Barasa's village get the care they need to survive. Imagine how many more children could be saved with your help. When you help local health workers like Barasa, you help children survive all over the world. <laughs> See where the good goes at goodgoes.org and find out all the ways you can help the good go further. Brought to you by Save the Children and the Ad Council. Sassy! Sassy! This week's episode, Bobcat in the Cave. Gosh, Johnny! Playing in the cave sure is neat! Oh boy, a kitty cat! Sassy? The kitty cat's yelling! What, Sassy? It's not a kitty? It's a bobcat? Speaking of cats, you like to stress the importance of adopting cats from animal shelters? Over 5 million cats go into animal shelters every year? And with millions of healthy cats to choose from, it's a shame more people don't adopt from shelters? This bobcat's heavy. Help, Sassy! Why bother? We'll just get into more trouble tomorrow? What's that supposed to mean? Oh, nuts. Sassy is brought to you by the Ad Council and the shelterpetproject.org. Remember, adopt. Now, back to the Dr. Julie Show. All things connected on Empower Radio. Welcome back. If you're inspired by our conversation today and want to share it with others, or maybe just listen to it again, please visit our website at thedrjulieshow.com, where you'll find all the archive links and also listings of upcoming guests. And also stay connected all week on our Facebook page, All Things Connected with Dr. Julie, where we continue the conversation. And I want to remind you, we're visiting with Karen Tate today, and you can find her at karentate.com, just like it sounds K-A-R-E-N-T-A-T-E dot com. And Karen, your voice is um, really exquisite when it comes to the divine feminine here. And you've been bestowed with the titles of Wisdom Keeper of the Divine Feminine Movement by Sage Woman Magazine. And you were voted one of the 13 most influential women in goddess spirituality. Um, you really have been at this for quite a long time, and I and I would love to hear about your your talk at the Parliament, reawaking our earliest sacred stories. But why don't you give us a little bit of history of how did you become this most influential woman on on <laughs> goddess spirituality? <laughs> well, you know, I think I have uh, I I've just been tenacious about. Um, uh, learning and sharing what I've learned. And um, when learning about goddess spirituality uh, moved outside uh, my personal, you know, my personal story, and it wasn't just about how it's changed my life, when I realized uh, that it, you know, it, it's, this, the recipe is sort of there to uh, make the world a better place and even save the world, maybe, then I felt like, well, you know, I, I have to muster up whatever, 
you know, courage or confidence it takes to um, share my thoughts and, you know, share it out there with the world. And, you know, we, and as far as the talk at the parliament, well, you know, if, if you know anything about Joseph Campbell or mythology, um, you know, mythology shapes our, um, our, our culture. And uh, so it's really important what our stories are. And uh, one of the talks that I gave was about um, that, that very fact. And imagine if the stories of the sacred feminine hadn't been swept beneath the rug, how our values and society might be different. And in the end, I encouraged the people who attended, and I have to say we had a full room. It was almost standing room only. Um, you know, I, I said to people, you know, give yourselves permission to be the new storytellers because, you know, you are just as uh, capable and qualified to write the new stories or receive, you know, divine inspiration, if you will, you know, um, and, and, and be the, you know, be the new teachers so that the new stories take humanity down um, a different path. So that was sort of the gist of it, you know. I mean, if you wanted me to get into, you know, specifics about, um, you know, how, you know, different goddess mythology um, could change things, I'm happy to. I, I just wasn't sure, you know, how in-depth you wanted me to go here. I'll leave it to you. You know, one of the things that I think will be helpful for our friends that are listening today is you talked about the intro, like when I asked you all things connected, and you went, oh, those are the feminine goddess values. That's, you know, and you tied that to that. And, and we hear a lot about this gender differences, which I think mm-hmm. is very different than our feminine and masculine traits, which is then also you've talked about the sacred feminine and the divine masculine. So why don't we just ground that a little bit for our friends that are listening of what is this, the, the difference here that mythology's taught us and, and from your work over talking to hundreds of spiritual leaders, how, how do you shake that out in an easy to understand format? Okay. Well, you know, first of all, um, these ideas about what values are masculine and what values um, are feminine, they're sort of an artificial construct, okay? But um, we've labeled certain values feminine and certain values masculine. And, um, but the reality is um, we all have the, the feminine and masculine within ourselves, the um, the trick is to try to have them in equal balance, so that um, we're whole and we're a you know more well-rounded person. I mean, just for instance, um, if you're an author, and um, you know you you know creativity and uh, and 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 sharing uh, is a feminine trait. So uh, I can see where you might have these ideas that you want to put into a book. Well, it's fine to put these ideas in a book and actually get them written, but that's not going to get the book published. You know, you have to maybe uh, use some qualities that um, we would label masculine, um, you know, linear thinking, tenacity, um, um, assertiveness, confidence, uh, strength, uh, you know, to go out there and actually get the book published. And then to promote the book, um, you know, you, you have to, you know, maybe continue with, um, you know, values that might be labeled 
um, you know, feminine and masculine together or maybe just masculine dependent on your style. But the point is, no matter what we're doing, you know, um, you know, we, we really have to have these values in check. Um, and unfortunately, um, patriarchy teaches us that some of the values that we have labeled uh, feminine um, are not um, as important or they're weak. For instance, um, the, the idea of caring and sharing and nurturing. Um, I mean, can we see how uh, religion has sort of been turned on its head when it comes to caring and sharing and nurturing? You know, we hear Republicans on television wanting to cut food stamps, um, wanting to cut the social safety net, not wanting to raise, you know, raise social security 10 or $20 so elderly people you know, might have enough money by the end of the month to actually buy food and medicine. Um, you know, it's it's these ideas, you know, that somehow if we care and we share and we take care of one another, that that's a bad thing, you know, um, that, that uh, you know, these people, if they weren't lazy, they wouldn't be in a position, you know, you know to need our, uh, our support. Um, and, and so these ideas, you know, even though it used to be uh, what Jesus talked about, you know, when we were taught, you know, that, you know, Jesus talked about taking care of the, you know, the least among us, you know, that's sort of gone out of vogue, if you will, you know. Um, so that's just one example of, uh, of values, for instance, that uh, are, are feminine values that have been marginalized. Um, or uh, here's another example. You know, when a, when a boy grows up and he leaves, you know, leaves his mother, you know, his mother's breast, so to speak, metaphorically, and, you know, he goes to school and he's out there in, a play, in the playground, you know, he quickly learns, um, you know, sort of that there's a pecking order out there. There's a hierarchy that, you know, you have to kind of be tough so you don't get bullied. And But what if you're, you know, what if you're a young man who, um, you know, maybe you're more into the arts than you are sports. Um, well, you know, somehow you're, uh, you're considered, uh, you know, effeminate. Um, you know, we aren't allowed, I think, in patriarchy to be our authentic selves. You know, um, you know men are told, um, you know, even though today things are changing and we have fathers who stay home and take care of children, you know, men... Um, you know, are told it's a women's work to do the uh, the nurturing and the uh, you know and, and the volunteer work to keep the churches running and you know we we have very defined uh, roles you know in society and I think patriarchy and religion thrust that on us and I think it's from there that we got these distinctions of what it means to be masculine and what it means to be feminine. Um, I, I hope. I hope that was clear. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So how do we leap then, Karen? How do we take this conversation and you talk about how the feminine face of God can give us a template for a more sustainable future. So let's, let's just take that leap. How do we, how, what is that template? How are we going to get there? What, and what's your vision for the future? Well, I think the fact that the feminine face of God was swept beneath the uh, rug, um, it took it robbed us of the values of the sacred feminine. You know, it robbed us of the fact that women 
uh, don't have to just emulate the role model of Mary because these other faces of goddesses out there are much more whole. They have sexuality. They have tenacity. They have strength. They're not just benign and passive. You know, they incorporate their masculine and their feminine, even though they're goddesses. I think when women are allowed to do that and learn that that's okay, and men learn that uh, they can also embrace their feminine, and along with being uh, a protector, they can also be a nurturer, then, you know, then men become whole as well. And I, I think when we come into balance, with, um, you know, an, an understanding that, um, you know, it, it is about the we and the us, you know, uh, and I think that's where the compassion and the nurturing and the, you know, the caring and sharing comes in. When we, when we take on these, uh, you know, as, as universal truths, that it's really about our inter- interconnection, it's really about the we and the us, it's not about the I and the me, and I'm the only one that counts, and you have to do it my way because my way is the only real way, and my God is the only real God. And if you don't follow all the laws and rules, then you know, you're going to be punished or you're not worthy or you can starve. You know, I think when we get to this caring and sharing of the sacred feminine, this, uh, you know, this we and the us, this interconnection, that starts to shift everything, okay? Mm-hmm. Because... It starts with us personally. You know, we balance the masculine and feminine within ourselves. Let's call it partnership. You know, let's call it balance. And then we take that outside of ourselves. You know, remember when environmentalism was big in the 70s and they would say, um, you know, think uh, globally, act locally. It's kind of the same thing. You know, the sacred feminine, um, you know, it's about being balanced within yourself and then taking those qualities out into the community. You know, how do we teach our children? What are they being taught in school? You know, um, what's what's being taught at church? You know, know, what values do we emulate? And then you take it to the workplace, too. You know, is is there partnership between the employer and the employee? so that the employee doesn't continue to be exploited and, uh, you know, uh, less than 1% of the billionaires on the planet, uh, you know, own as much or more than the rest of humanity that lives on the planet. You know, it's about partnership uh, between countries. So it's not just the one with the most bullets and bombs and the biggest stick, you know, always gets their way and allows corporations to exploit you know, people in indigenous countries for their natural resources or, um, you know, the military-industrial complex or, or whatever it is, you know. Um, then I think it's also about partnership and balance. Um, you know, it's about the we and the us between humanity and the planet so that we understand that, you know, we are all part of this microcosm and macrocosm and, um, you know, we have to you know, you know, it isn't about just, you know, these corporations' bottom line. It's about the future. We have a responsibility to take care of our home, uh, you know, maybe even a sacred obligation. And mm-hmm. so, you know, is this starting to make sense? You know, it, 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 I, I think when you equate the, you know, the we and the us with this idea of partnership and balance, and you, 
and, and you go into all of these different areas where there isn't a healthy partnership or there isn't or there is an imbalance. And it's also between men and women. You know, men and women have to, I think, start to have a healthier balance where women are seen as equals and men aren't threatened by that and in fact maybe welcome the idea of an equal partner. You know, there's so many wonderful feminist men out there, you know, and, and men who would like to be their authentic selves and not uh, you know, be constrained by the rules that maybe society tells them what a man is kind of a thing, you know. Um, so I think if, if we we sort of uh, took it down to its simplest level, you know, it's, a, it's about balance and partnership. And if we could find a way to have balance and partnership in everything rather than uh, exploitation and domination and inequality or injustice and unfairness, then that reshapes the whole world, you know, between genders, within ourselves, between countries, between workers and corporations, between us and the planet. You know, those are the keys, you know, the balance and the partnership. And, you know, those, I I think, are some of the most important uh, values of the sacred feminine. Mm, mm -mm, mm -mm, Yummy. We need to just pause and breathe that all in. That is so powerful, Karen. Thank you. The the balance and the partnership is is integral here. And you talked about a sacred obligation. It reminds me of the film you were in. I one of the very f- first guests I ever had on my program was Emmanuel Atier talking about his and Sharon Stone's film that he produced, Femme, Women Healing the World. And you were in that film, and I remember that. But what you're also talking about is really some significant healing, not only for ourselves, just like you mentioned, but also the world, relationships, patterns, our relationship with the earth. It's it's just there's so much here wrapped into this conversation and, and like you mentioned, we can look at it really simple and make that shift. Yeah, you know, because there's so much fear out there of of people who aren't like us and we we don't need to be that way. You know, we, we should stop listening to the fear mongers. You know, there's so much entitlement out there that some people think that um, for whatever reason that they're entitled to exploit other people. That should become taboo. You know, um, we shouldn't continue to value ourselves uh, by our assets. I think we should start to value ourselves by um, you know, are we in service to the community? What are we doing to make the world a better place? Or like that gentleman said at the parliament, you know, where are your wounds? What's, what are you fighting for? You know, what's worthwhile to you? You know, maybe it's animal rights. Maybe it's GMOs. Maybe it's your peace activist. Maybe it's, you know, trying to stop female genital mutilation or human trafficking. I mean, take your pick, you know, um, you know, maybe it's about helping women become priests uh, and, you know, not denying women ordination. Or maybe it's, you know, fighting for equal pay, um, you know, because I, it, there's, there's so much out there that's out of balance. And we're really trying to create a new normal. And it's a new normal that works for the most of us rather than the few people who are pulling all the strings that have shaped society um, and, and have created the world we're in. And, you know, and this, that's politics and religion and it's corporate America and it's academia. 
Because, you know, there's only 20% of female, or shall I say feminine values, you know, represented in these major institutions that shape our lives. Less than 20% of female leadership in academia, corporate America, uh, religious institutions, and uh, I, I forgot the fourth one now. I, I don't want to repeat myself, but I, but I think you know what I'm talking about. And, um, you know, we need more women uh, out there um, perpetuating ideals that generally or innately female ideas, because women tend, not always, you know, I think women tend to uh, be a little bit quicker uh, to promote ideas of, of uh, uh, you know, of balance and partnership. But I want to stress, not always, you know, because there are women who benefit from the status quo, the way things are. I don't want to give the impression, you know, just because you have a vagina and not a penis, that you perpetuate these ideas and vice versa, that men don't get this, that men... Uh, you know, don't value, um, you know, the, these values, because that's not it at all. There's so many incredible men, like Emmanuel, who, who you just mentioned, you know, like the Dalai Lama, like uh, former President Jimmy Carter, who left his church because he said, you know, the church prevented women from, um, you know, reaching their, their, their fullest potential. You know, there's so many wonderful feminist men out there who are our allies you know, who really get this, who, you know, want women to have equality because, you know, mythology and and, um, academia sort of teaches us that um, patriarchy, uh, you know, the way it's set up, you know, men serve God and everybody else on the planet is here to serve man, whether it be women, whether it be other species, whether it be the planet herself. You know, and, we have, and, and consequently, because women are second-class citizens, because women are seen as, um, you know, because women, it's so, you know, domestic violence, female genital mutilation, making 80 cents on the dollar, you know, all of these different things, when that changes, when women are suddenly put in a, in a place of justice and equality, then everything else shifts. You know, the planet... Uh, is you know it, because when we move into this different mindset, you know when it's not power over but power with, you know and partnership, then it allows everything else to shift out of this dominator culture where you know some people are on the planet to serve others while the rest benefit, you know and and we really do believe that when women achieve equality across the globe, then that you know, it becomes a domino effect, you know, that helps the species on the planet from disappearing, that helps the the earth from maybe being fracked and exploited, because we sort of shift our consciousness, you know, we start to realize that, you know, domination isn't the way to go, partnership is the way to go, our interconnection is the way to go, you should care about the child in Africa who doesn't have clean water to drink, you know. Mm. So, you know, that's, that's um, you know, I, I believe the sacred feminine ideology, if you will. You know, it's, it's about liberation. It's about, um, you know, it's about freedom, uh, freedom from exploitation, freedom to live your authentic life. Um, you know, uh, it, it, it's about, I think, making the world a better place for the most of us. It's creating a new normal. So, 
you know, we all have lives worth living. And because, um, you know, I don't think we were put on this planet, you know, to work, you know, uh, you know, 60 and 80 hour weeks and work two and three jobs to, you know, pay the bills. You know, it, yeah. we're not, we, I don't think we were put here to be consumers and, um, uh, you know, buy gadgets and, uh, you know, just work our life away. You know, what kind of quality of life is that? And I think we have to start asking ourselves that, you know, listen to, you know, listen to leaders who are talking about your quality of life, listen to leaders who are talking against exploitation, you know, against domination, against war, against inequality, um, you know, and, uh, and I think those are, maybe those are the people worth listening to, you know, they're going to be the, they're, they're the ones with the machete blazing the new trail, you know. Mm. You know, Karen, this has been a fascinating conversation, and I, I love to listen to you. And, um, yeah, there's there's so much vastness here on so many different realms, um, you know, not just politics or, or feminist values, women's rights. It, we're just talking about everything. So I, I really thank you for that and appreciate it. I'm wondering, we just have a few minutes left. For a listener out there that may say, you know what, this has just ignited my fire, what might you say to them? Where would you steer them? What resources? You have myriad books. You have an incredible list of archives on your website. There's so much there. I'm going to remind our listeners it's KarenTate.com. But where would you tell them to start? What's the simplest way to really... Keep this fire going. Well, you know, um, I'll tell you the two books that started me on the path. And one was Merlin Stone, When God Was a Woman. The other was The Chalice and the Blade by Rianne Eisler. Mm-hmm. They started me going. And uh, it, it uh, validated that these ideas of the sacred feminine are not a feminist fantasy. Uh, that they are rooted in archaeology and... Um, you know, in, in history, you know, as we call it, because, you know, the sacred feminine was revered by humanity uh, more than 30,000 years ago. I mean, the artifacts prove it. Um, you know, a male god only showed up on the scene a few thousand years ago. And I know growing up as a Catholic in the South, I had no clue about that. Mm. And I think when you start to realize uh, you need to take responsibility for your own education and discover things like that, because what you're you know, the people who teach you have their own agenda. They want you to only know, you know, they, they want you to know certain things, and maybe it's not everything you should know. I'll just put it like that. Um, so I, I would start with those two books. I would also encourage uh, for people who like to, you know, who are uh, visually oriented and, you know, maybe they don't want to sit down with a book, um, you know, go to the film that Emmanuel made, uh, Femme, Women Healing the World. And look at that, because I think it's a good overview of how we've gotten to where we are, and it leaves you with hope and solutions about how things can change and what to work toward. And, um, you know, just go to FEM, uh, Women Healing the World, Google it. Uh, you can get DVDs. You can stream it live. Uh, you know, he's made it easy to do because the information is so important. Uh, but like you said, you know, thank you for referring listeners to my archives because I've, you know, interviewed people from Noam Chomsky to Vandana Shiva, Jean Houston, um, 
you know, in, in, in incredible folks who uh, amazingly are all on the same page about this stuff uh, when it comes to the values. You know, uh, we really do all care about the commons. We really do care about the 99% uh, because it's the commons and the 99% that have been getting the short shrift for, for yes. thousands of years. And Karen, um, this is there's so much more we could do. Maybe we'll need to have you come back. I just want to thank you so much for joining us today and sharing your wealth of knowledge. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you, Julie. Yeah, absolutely. And stay connected with us. You know, our website's juliecrill.com. Karen's is karentate.com. And remember, together we create greater connectivity, and that's always a good thing. So until next time, I'm wishing you conscious love and connection. Bye bye. 